Easter. This is the Easter intro. You don't really get Easter music. You don't really get Easter films or references. So, Easter. Okay. We normally just do intro, outro, as with these, don't we? Yeah, um, yeah. That's the just... special ones, yeah. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lex Education, the comedy science podcast where comedian me, Laura Lex, tries to learn science from her... Laura Eggs. Laura Eggs, love it, from her excellent younger brother, Egron. <laughs> Hello, it's Eggs. Hi, Eggs. How it's Eggs Week today? this week on Lex Ed- Eggs Education. Legs. <laughs> Education. Um, uh Yeah, it's our Easter special this week, so no normal intros and outros and no curriculum. We've thrown it in the bin, stuck it out the window, and um, this week instead we're going to be looking at the science of eggs. Are we? Aren't we? Did you do science? A... Yeah, it's a science podcast, you fucking dunt. <laughs> I, I, I told you I was doing the five best eggs. Yeah, I thought you meant best for scientific reasons, like, oh, it's got a big yolk and that's got lots of energy in it. I thought you'd tell me what an egg is and why it works. I thought this episode was going to be fun. Yeah, I was excited to learn about how eggs work. I've got some oh. science in mine. I've got a bit of science in mine, but also i just done the five best eggs. <laughs> what, what have you and at one point, on? at one point, I'm going to make a deviled egg. Have you planned in? <laughs> Do you know when the devil is that just going to happen when you feel like it should? I'm going to check a deviled egg recipe first. What do you mean? Why are you checking a recipe now? I've never made deviled eggs before. What is a deviled egg? I think you just take out the yolk and mix it with mayonnaise, and then put it back in. <laughs> What was in that little sachet that you showed me? Here, this. Yeah. That's mayonnaise. In a little tube, like Primula. Yeah, and it's got Dijon mustard already in it, which is one of the ingredients of a deviled egg. (laughs) That that sachet only looks big enough for, like, two sandwiches, though. Yeah, the way we make them, but... I don't know, here's it next to my hand. Yeah, that's tiny. You need a big jar. I've got a jar as well. Oh, this is some special mayonnaise. <laughs> this is, yeah, it's got Dijon mustard in it. Well, happy Easter, Ron. What are your Easter plans? Mother and father are coming. Agony Dad. Patrons will have listened to Agony Dad by now. Agony Dad and just agony, am I right? Hey, women. Women suck. I actually might need a few more ingredients for my deviled egg, but I'll get this later on. <laughs> I love that we've got like a practical element to, to the class today. It's like being well, on Saturday I wanted kitchen. us to both do a practical element, but you No, refused. you wanted us both to have to eat 12 boiled eggs during the recording. And I said that will be sad for us and disgusting for the listener. Why would we do that? And I thought it would be fun. But that's also 1,200 calories, so maybe we shouldn't eat all these eggs. No. Also, we'll be blocked up for days. I love eggs. Yeah, eggs are delicious. I don't want to just eat 12 plain boiled eggs. No. 
But eggs welcome really work to- for me though because I love smooth foods. So I love the way a boiled egg has a smooth edge. <laughs> like um what else do I love? I love those flat Leodama cheese slices that are really smooth. I love like really thin Easter egg chocolate where it's really smooth. Not saying anything. <laughs> it's weird what food. you're saying. <laughs> That's odd. Do you have any um, mugs in your house that came free with an Easter egg? No. No. I've only got nice things. <laughs> Guys, such a snob. Um, um. All right, Ron. <laughs> so you've got your five best eggs. And you've got your five hardest to find eggs. Well, I've done the science and an Easter egg hunt. So I've done some animals that lay their eggs in interesting places. And then mm-hmm. I've got some science stuff about um, about eggs that are in specific places and why they're there. Sure, OK. Do you want to hear my first um, fact, though, that... that is not really Do you want to maybe just do all five of yours and then I'll do all five of mine? Because they're different lists. They're very different lists. Do you want to hear my fun, my first fact, though, that didn't really fit into anything, but I thought it was really exciting? I'll trade you for an anecdote. I love it. So according to National Geographic, you can predict what colour a chicken egg will be by the colour of the hen's earlobes. But, Laura, do hens have earlobes? Yeah, they do. So, like, there's a chicken breed called a leghorn, it says, and they have white earlobes and they lay white eggs. And then chickens with red earlobes lay brown-shelled eggs. It's It's not a, like, constant rule. It's not, well, it's not a rule, it's guidance. But isn't that fun? That's it. Most of the time, it's true. Yeah. Interesting. I've. I wouldn't. I. That. I guess that is an earlobe. That's the part of this that's throwing me in a tailspin. the The fact for me is not eggs and earlobes sometimes match up. It's more chickens, chickens have, earlobes. have earlobes. Yeah. Oh, oh God, they're awful. Hang on, I need to Google chicken earlobes now. You we'll didn't before? Uh, no, I've been researching really hard and concentrating. Oh, fuck off. Chickens just have ears. Whoa. Yeah. Chickens well, they have... have ears. Chickens have big old ears. Ugh. <laughs> Rubbish. I didn't like that. You didn't like my chicken egg fact? No. It was oh. gross to me. <laughs> well, I know I liked the fact, but I did not like looking at these pictures of chickens. No, that's fair enough. Now that you see them, you're like, oh, of course they have those. But um, yeah. it would never have occurred to me that that bit was an ear. A chicken would be a good one for the drawing game. Yeah. Oh, I just sent you something I didn't mean to. I meant to send you this. Um, yeah. So there you go. There's my first fact. 
And it's sent on a picture of a chicken with a human ear superimposed on it. Yeah, that was that was a nice fact. I'm glad you liked it, matey. What was your anecdote? When um, they were younger, our two youngest nephews, um, you know when you see the bales of hay in fields wrapped up in brown plastic, uh, black mm-hmm. plastic, I told them that those were cow eggs. Nice. Yeah, it was fun. I think, I think uh, they were very young. I think they believed me. They thought cows would hatch out of them. You're not? distracted. What are you looking at? I was closing tabs of chicken ears. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> um, right, I can close WhatsApp again now. Um, yeah, so I thought I'd have a look at different places that eggs get laid and different ways that um, animals in the science world <laughs> keep their eggs safe. Yeah. Um. I came up with some cool stuff. It was harder than I thought not to just get pictures of people going like, look at this wacky bird's laid an egg in my shoe. And I was like, don't care, die. Um, But I found some cool bits and pieces. So there's a bird called a hornbill. They're like quite ugly looking birds, like larger size. Right, I can't tell you about this stuff if you're literally cracking an egg at the time. (laughs) Okay, sorry, I do that all the time. (laughs) You get mad at me if I'm not even looking directly down the webcam and then you're just there, like, tapping a teaspoon on an egg. All right, then the the making of the deviled egg is going to have to be a segment then because just I make, can't right, do it Right, when do you quietly. want to make the deviled egg? <laughs> I think I should make it in between and eat it at the end. All right, so you want me to do all my facts now and then and then we'll have a deviled egg break and then we'll hear your facts. Is that what you want for this episode? Well, I think yes. Okay. <laughs> this is fucking idiot. Because I don't think it's good content to be like, and here's the fifth huntiest egg, and then I have to be like, and here's the fifth best egg, and then we count down two different lists. Yeah, all right. No, that's, that's like fine. if I'll... Christmas and New Year's were on the same day. It wouldn't be as good. No, okay. I'll tell you all about the different eggs. The My Easter egg hunt. Oh, it's just occurred to me. Why don't they make a Terry's chocolate egg? It would taste... Would it taste of egg? No, it'd be exactly the same as the Terry's chocolate orange, but in an egg shape. But it's orange flavour when it's an orange. Terry's chocolate orange egg. There you go. I think I heard recently... That they didn't start off with oranges. No, they didn't. They started off with apple. Terry's chocolate fruits. I think it was Terry's chocolate apple first. I think you heard this on National Treasures. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. Carry on. No, you're distracted. <laughs> I'm not. You are. <laughs> I'm reading. All right, yeah, I'm closing I know this you page. Are. And you close every other page. Anything. No, because no, you're my, reading. I have my I have my deviled egg recipe. I've got. What my if notes I waste my hornbill information on you and you're not even hearing? Me. I'll tell you because I need to look at something. I'm going to Google hornbills and look at them. Yeah. Okay. So these are, these are hornbills. You're having a look at picture now. They. Yes. They. they so I'll, I'll describe them for the listener. Yeah. They are kind of. I would describe them as like toucans that are battle toucans. <laughs> Yeah, so they tend to breed in a mating pair, 
And um, what they do is they find a hollow of a tree or a hole in a tree and then she goes in the tree and lays the eggs and then her mate seals her in using mud. Oh. Like seals up the, the hole of the gap in the tree so that they can't see. And then in an even more of a creepy twist of being like bricked into a wall for childbirth, <laughs> when she's in there, all her flight feathers fall out of her body as nature's Ugh. way of, like, taking the car keys. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. Yeah, so she's just stuck in this tree, sealed up in a hole with the eggs, um, and then they hatch, and then about two weeks after they hatch, she gets her flight feathers back, and then she'll bust out of the mud, and then when she's out, they seal the chicks back in, but just with a hole to get food in, and then when the chicks are big enough, they'll bash out the mud again. No offence, Hornbills, but there must be a better way. Well, I guess even though they're battle toucans, they're not that good at battling, so they're hiders, not fighters. No, 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 but, like, you'd think, like, if, um... It... Like, maybe they overheat in there, which is why they lose the flight feathers. Because you'd think it would be way more efficient to just evolve not running away from your kids than to, like, <laughs> slough off your mode of transport and then grow it back. I wonder if it's a double whammy, though. Like, you lose those and then she can't leave, but also that's nesting material. Yeah. but then Because birds yeah. do shed a lot of feathers into their nests, don't they? But I just don't believe that the shedding of the feathers has to, is, is to stop them from leaving. No, I doubt it's to stop them from leaving. But it yeah, maybe it is nesting material. Um, or maybe it's because maybe what it is is that like I don't know how much biological maintenance feathers take. You know, like how much energy it takes to just maintain them. But if the body recognizes that they're not going to be flying for three weeks anyway, so sack these off. Don't bother maintaining them, and then they fall out. You know. Yeah, I don't know how much um, feathers take. We looked at a thing about feathers when we yeah, were, when in, we were the, in the museum. Don't remember anything it said though. No, it didn't really sort of specify. No. Yeah. Um, I like that they brick up the kids though as well. That yeah. that makes a lot more sense to me. What them bricking in the motherbird too? Yeah. What if there was a fire? Probably wouldn't be. And it would smell nice. Roasted bird. <laughs> <laughs> They're very beautiful. All right. Get a room. <laughs> I'll brick you into it. So that's <laughs> hornbills. Then, little cute one. Did you know hummingbirds? They use spider webs to hold their nest together. Oh, I'm going to look at some hummingbirds yeah. now. They get hold of little spiderweb bits of gossamer and silk and then they use it to weave into the nest and then it makes the nest really strong and a bit oh, springy. No. And sometimes they make little hammocks. Oh, I googled hummingbird spiderweb and I'm just seeing hummingbirds getting eaten by spiders. Oh, no, no. They use them for their nests. Oh. Google more like specifically, Ron. Um, I like hummingbirds. I saw a hummingbird... In the wild in Mexico. Ooh. They also yeah. lay the smallest bird eggs in the world, I think, hummingbirds. Interesting. How small? Really small. Uh, <laughs> 61 millimetres or something, I think it said. 
No, that can't be right. No, I think the hummingbird was 61 millimetres. Yeah, 61 millimetres isn't that small. No, that's six centimetres. That's big. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's bigger, bigger than, than a chicken hummingbird. egg. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't, I can't remember. I didn't look that up. It was not pertaining to what I was doing. But they were, I know they were, had the smallest bird eggs and ostriches lay the biggest bird eggs. Yes, they do now. Yeah. Oh, that feels like it's going to be a wrong fact. Yeah, because I was looking at ostriches. Because do you remember that book, The Cuckoo Child? No. Oh, did you never listen to that as a kid? About the little boy that went to the zoo and stole an ostrich egg and brought it home and it hatched? No. Oh, it was great. And I was looking up ostrich eggs um, because it came up as they were the biggest ones. And ostriches do lay their eggs in a communal pile. And then the alpha female just sits on all of them, the alpha pair. But then if there's too many eggs, she'll just roll some of the ones on the edge away from the pile because hers are in the middle. So that's how they do like Mm. dominance in the breeding bit. But then it was like, oh, that kind of makes sense as to how this little boy might have nicked one. Interesting. Yeah. So that's done a lot of reading. Oh, yeah. I'm much better at learning through reading myself. Listening is very difficult for me. Um, Mm. So my next one is the clownfish. Um, So also called an anemone fish. So this is some Finding Nemo territory. You know in Finding Nemo they live in the anemone. Yep. That is what clownfish do. And they have like a symbiotic relationship with the anemone where they don't get stung by it, but they can lay their eggs in there knowing that any predators can't get into the anemone. What does the anemone get out of it? Um, status. <laughs> Rent. Yeah. So <clears throat> there's three cool nests. Now, here's a fun one. Laura, you're caning through these nests. Yeah. Well, I didn't do five. I Because oh, like okay. I said to you, there's not loads of information about the nests, but there's... So I did more than five different cool bits of thing. So here's one that I thought was fun. So this is on sciencedaily.com and I was looking at a scientific paper from 2013. Mm-hmm. And how's this for cool? So Ten this was years all about ago. Yeah. We were but children. Um I was the, a child legally. You still are mate. I met you. So <laughs> Um, it was about quails, right? This paper. Quails, and famous eggs. What? I said quails, famous eggs. Yes. And they have markings on them. So they're not plain eggs. They're like spotty, camouflaged kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. And this paper, um, I think... Where is it? P. George Lovell of Abate University and the University of St. Andrews. Um, it said, he says, not only are the eggs camouflaged, but the birds choose to lay their eggs on a substrate that maximises camouflage. Okay. So, um, they noticed that female quail, they lay, the, the eggs of the quail vary quite a lot in how much camouflage they have on them. So some per will be per quail or per egg. Per quail, I think they tend to lay ones with similar patterns on them. Sure. Um, but like some birds, oh yeah, it says some birds consistently lay eggs covered in dark spots. Others have fewer spots. In some case, they're like almost plain eggs. And and so they did this test in a lab where they 
gave each quail four different types of background in their area and then check to see which ones the quail would use to lay their eggs on and the quails Mm -hmm. would always choose the background that best suited the type of eggs they knew that they were going to lay so like say i was a heavy spotted quail egg layer without i wouldn't like lay the eggs and then move them onto the one that fit the quails knew what kind of patterned eggs they lay and would pre-choose the right pattern that's very interesting i wonder if they can do that the first batch of eggs that they lay i wonder how hereditary the egg patterning is Mm, this doesn't say that it says animals make choices based on their knowledge of the environment and their own phenotype to maximize their ability to reproduce and survive do you know what a phenotype is no so a phenotype is kind of like a trait that's um, uh, attached to a gene. So, for example, so it could be hereditary. You and I, you and I both have the phenotype of brown hair. Okay. That sort of thing. I'm losing it though. <laughs> yes, your yours is turning grey. Mine is disappearing. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, yeah, I thought that was fun. That is fun. That's a good I one. Guess... Those would be hard to hunt. Most mother birds do get better at it as they get successive broods, I guess. Why? Well, because you learn what you're up to, don't you? You always see in nature documentaries, like, oh, this mother bird's lost that. But then next year she's gone like, oh, last year I did that and a fox ate it, so I won't do it again. Sure. (laughs) No? (laughs) I think you're giving a lot of agency to quails, but (laughs) okay. Look how clever they are, though, according to Science Daily. No, they just get an urge to to poop an egg on a thing. Yeah, but they're how walking do they... around going like quail, quail. Oh, I don't know why, but I want to lay my eggs over there. But isn't that still a type of intelligence? That's instinct. Isn't instinct intelligence? Uh, I think you could argue it's a type of intelligence. And I will. <laughs> I think it is because. My therapist was telling me the other day that there's, like, science now about how you've got a brain in your tummy and so gut instinct should be factored into your um, intelligence and how much slack you give yourself. Yeah, that's actually very interesting about um, the, uh, the, the, gut, the gut thing. Um, yeah. Because a lot of, like, reflexes in that, um, they don't actually like make it to your brain. You have things called ganglions that they sort of bounce around and then it'll move your hand and things. Um, and your gut's kind of a big version of that. Mm. I like that. Um, okay, Ron, we're going to move on from birds for a little bit, although we are going to come back to a bird before the end. Classic egg layers are the birds. Yeah. But, he- right, speaking of classic egg layers, Ron, this won't. So Tom and I fell on very different sides of this divide because Mm. I said to him, oh, my God, sharks lay eggs. And he went, yeah, they're fish. And I said, yeah, but did you know that some sharks don't lay eggs? And he went, oh. So I was surprised that some sharks did and he was surprised that some sharks didn't. But I guess being fish, fish can be live birthers or egg layers or whatnot. But... um. 
I guess you just feel fine about both those facts. I knew all of this beforehand. But also, you've got to understand that there is no such thing as a fish. I know, because of the podcast. So, calling, like, you can't really say they do this or they do that because they're fish. That's not a, that doesn't mean anything. Um, Neither but then does also, most stuff we talk about on this podcast. Yeah, that's true. But it's, it's a it's a rare departure from reason for for Tom. And then, uh, um, but what is um, uh, then the other, the other thing is that sharks sharks have been around forever, basically. Yeah. Like, you know, there was God, and there was Adam and Eve, and there were sharks. Yeah. Um, so, like, some of them have been species wise apart for a long, long time. Well, I've got two. Some of them had chimney heads. What? What for? Like swimming along the top of the water? No, it's um, uh, was it walking with sea monsters with Nigel Marvin? Um, and then there's a good bit in there about. I love those. I forgot how much you loved walking with dinosaurs and walking with beasts. Walking with dinosaurs was so good because it was just a dry documentary about dinosaurs. You loved that. Oh, my God, the number of times as a kid you'd walk into the lounge and just this tiny little boy squatting on the carpet watching that again. Uh. Episode one, Postosuchus and those guys with the little sharp teeth that go like this. Episode two, Allosaurus, Stegosaurus, the little (laughs) Diplodocuses. Episode three, what? We're in the sea now? Liplorodon Islands? There's a storm. Ophthalmosaurus. Episode four... The big bird guy, sad, can't get laid. Episode five, in the Arctic? What? what? Those dinos cold? No, it was way warmer then, but still very cold. Episode six, T-Rex, Triceratops, Meteor. Awesome stuff. And that there was what it was like growing up with Ron. <laughs> um, can <sighs> I just tell you about, oh my God. It goes walking with dinosaurs, then walking with beasts is the next best one. Then you've got to jump to sea monsters, then walking with monsters. That's before dinosaurs, then cavemen. Cavemen wasn't that good. Oh. Well, there you go, everybody. Why did I start talking about this? Because you just, any excuse and you will. Because sharks are super old, basically. No. Yes. There were lots of different types of sharks. And you know how hammerhead sharks have a weird head? Yeah. There have been lots of weird heads. That was kind of my point. One oh, of them, okay. Like a top but head hammerhead one, one out. Yeah. Nice. Well, I've got two different types of shark to have a look at where they're hiding their eggs. First one uh, is a grey nurse shark. Um, technically not an egg layer. They were omnivirate or something, of oviriptus or something. Mm, what was that word? I should have written it down. It came up loads. Sharks are oh, is it oviparous? Yeah, ovipar oviparous. Okay, what does that mean? I'm just googling this. <laughs> So, producing young by means of eggs which are hatched after they have been laid by the parents. And some of them aren't. That's what that word means. Um, Anyway, so, grey nurse shark doesn't do that. They gestate their pups. 
In the tum? In the uterus, yes. But here's what's fun about these guys, is they gestate a load of them, and then they all just eat each other until there's only one left. Oh, I knew that, but I didn't have a chance to say it, and I'm glad I didn't. Intrauterine cannibalism with those guys. So by the time they're born, they're already the fittest survivor. It's like a Chang in Community. Yeah. (laughs) This one's for you, Connie. (laughs) Yeah. So absolute ballers, these guys. They're just born already in the Hunger Games. Crack on. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Thunderdome womb. That is Thunderwomb. Thunderwomb. That is some interesting survival of the fittest there. Yeah. Born into a cage match. What a time to be alive. But sperm already kind of does a little version of that. They don't eat each other, but they compete. And then, yeah, that's great. Yeah, now they're doing it again. Bigger now, go again. <laughs> then they get in the sea. Bigger now, Level go two. again. Bam. So, You're yeah, in the that- premiership. That that's one. I think it's kind of weird that they're called nurse sharks. Like that's a nice name for something that's already eaten nine of its siblings before it's even born. Mm. Um, but so that's one type of shark, and then the other. Is that one... why they're called nurse sharks though? Because they they have live births, you know, like a wet nurse. Yeah, it might be. They can't be the only shark that has live births, though. No, but they might have just been. The other ones might be called them. Um... Other things. <laughs> Do great whites have live? They feel like they'd have live birthers. I think that great whites, there was a set number and they were never born and we're just, <laughs> some of them go away. <laughs> <laughs> they just go down and recharge at the bottom and then come back up. Yeah. They're weird, aren't they? Yeah. I'd love to see like sharks and whales in real life. Yeah, whales whales appeal to me. I, I do find sharks genuinely a bit scary. Mm, yeah, but if I was in a boat, I'd feel okay. Fair. You like Jaws? I... Huh? You like Jaws? The film? Yeah. Yeah, it was all right. It's about a shark. Yeah, called Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> And it's kind of about a mayor as well. Um, hey, another type of shark, Ron, is the crested horn shark. Googling. So I was on Australian Geographic for this information. and they, Crested horn? Uh, yeah, crested horn shark. And there's a guy on there called Mark McGrowther, oh. who is the collection manager at the Australian Museum. He has the ichthyology collection manager, sorry. Um, and he lists the crested horn shark as his favourite egg, um, fish egg. So it's a cone shape. It's It kind of looks like a drill bit, like a big spirally drill bit. Ah, uh, yes. And then it's also got like sort of black tendrils hanging off the bottom, like a bit of spirally seaweedy looking stuff. Well, the egg's like half the size of the thing. If you look at a picture of the shark next to one of these eggs, it's huge. They're big, aren't they? Now, so it 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 has these things, um, and then so they're very similar to this the Port Jackson shark egg, and those apparently you see washed up on the beach quite a lot. But here's what's really cool about these: so they look like a drill bit, yeah. And then what the shark does is it lays the egg, and then it picks the egg up in its mouth and it drills it into a crack in a rock that's very cool 
Yeah. I so can't believe sc- you've got better eggs than this coming up. It screws it in. Yeah. Oh, I can see pictures of them within their mouth. Yeah. And then it's also got the tendrils on it so that it'll stick to seaweed or algae or stuff, you know, gives it like a little Velcro-y extra yeah. protection type of thing. Um, but really cool. And then the, they, when they come out of the egg, the pups are completely ready to go. So they probably are quite big eggs because the pups get to quite a decent size in them, I think. Yeah. Um, but he also said in this interview on Australian Geographic that there's some evidence, it says there is some work that suggests embryos in shark eggs reduce their activity when predators are present to reduce chances of predation. I think they are able to smell them because later in development the eggs split open a little to allow water to circulate to help respiration. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't that fun? That is very fun. Good egg, Laura. Thanks. We've got two more. Um, We've got one that is a cool egg hunt bit, and then we've got one that is sort of fascinating in a terrifying kind of a way. Um, Okay. So your penultimate is the American Dipper, which is a bird. Um, And my information for this is on the Carnegie Museum website. Um, And this bird is very cool. Boring bird. Well, boring to look at maybe, but I think you'll enjoy this, Ron, because it's one of the only songbirds in the United States that routinely swims. Okay. Quite rare for a songbird to dip about in water and swim properly. So they have an adaptation that makes swimming easy for them. They have a gland at the base of their tail, an oil gland, and then they can collect oil out of the gland with their beak and preen it over their feathers to make them waterproof. Like a beaver. Yeah. And they also have um, those extra eyelids that go across so that they can be all right in the water. And they also have little flaps of skin over their nostrils that protects their beak when they're underwater. Well, these guys are just all ready for a day out and paddling. Aren't they? Like, you know, like seals can close up their nostrils. These birds can do that too. So because they have this um, extra evolution, you know, that they've evolved to be good swimmers or maybe they didn't lose it from some kind of swimming thing or whatever. That's why they're called the dipper because they dip in the water. Yeah, they go for a dip. Yeah. So it means that they can, they they nest in like very hard to reach spots, um, but a place that they nest that very few other birds can nest is they nest behind waterfalls. Oh. Yeah. I'd never look behind a waterfall in an egg hunt. No. And if you're like a bigger bird that would come along and smash up another bird's eggs and eat them, you can't because it's behind a waterfall. And so they build these sort of waterproof nests about the size of a football and with multiple layers. So they put moss, bark, leaves and grass um, using moss on the outside to absorb the moisture and then dry grass and things on the inside. They make a big waterproof ball. Wow. Good nest. Yeah. That'd be hard to find on an egg hunt, right? Yeah, there's different types of dipper as well. I'm seeing a white cap dipper, a rufous thread dipper, a brown dipper. Hmm, chicken dipper. (laughs) (laughs) So, pretty cool on the nest front there. And then um, our final egg here, uh, which I thought was interesting, 
because I have been scared about this fact for probably two decades since I remember first hearing about it and thinking, uh-oh, what does this mean for the future? So this is alligators now, and this is again oh. on the Carnegie Museum website. So alligators don't have chromosomes that, or their embryos don't have chromosomes to determine gender. Yep. So when an alligator lays its eggs, it's the temperature in the nest that determines what's a boy and what's a girl. So if it's very warm and sunny, about 91 to 93 degrees Fahrenheit, then the offspring are mostly male. And if it's cooler, only by about five degrees or so, it will be mostly females. But... um, what but uh, and so they they lay their eggs they do hang around near the nest with these so that alligators tend to like build quite a big nest hide it in grass or uh, on sand or something and then lay all the eggs and then they kind of stay nearby they don't have to sit on them or anything like that and then they'll look after them once they hatch but what's happening is that obviously climate change poses a massive problem to alligators because if they're going to end up with all boys um, because it'll be too hot. But what they're noticing is happening with alligators is that the alligators are instinctually having their broods earlier and earlier in the year to maintain the male-female ratio. That's interesting. Which is fascinating that within their instinct, it's the correct temperature that causes them... To not the time of year. Lay their eggs, but whether or not, I don't know how that that obviously can't really work long term because it will have evolved that the right temperature and their food stuff is abundant at a point where they need loads of food to be able to raise them or whatever. But um, isn't that fascinating that they instinctively know what temperature they need their nest to be in order to maintain the male female balance? Well, I mean, these things have been around for hundreds of millions of years. They're yeah. tried and tested, like. Even when we do fuck up the planet and everything goes to shit, crocs will be fine. Well, you hope. Mm, good fact. Um, I think snakes do a similar thing. What, in terms of what's a boy and I what's think, a girl? I think so. I might be wrong. Ah. Snakes is something I'm a bit scared of. Yeah, why are you scared of that fact? Because of climate change. I remember hearing uh, that, like, temperature affected their eggs when I was really young and thinking, well, how's that going to work with global warming? We're going to run out of crocodiles. Right. But that, I thought it was interesting that the alligators are kind of getting ahead of it. <laughs> yeah, they know what to do. Changing Maybe their calendars. humans should start going on holiday earlier in the year. Or not going on holiday at all. Stop using aeroplanes. Yeah. Boo. Boo. There you go. That was my Easter egg hunt, Ron. Laura's Easter egg hunt with Laura Lex. Now. The egg hunter. Laura Lex, egg hunter. With special guest, Ross Kemp. Ooh, Ross Kemp from Bridge of Lies. Yeah. And then every now and again we'll do a bit where I go, I found this egg and I grab it, but it's Ross Kemp's head. All right, next segment. <laughs> it's egg time. <laughs> so, have you Googled and finished up what 
Do you know what you need to do for this deviled egg now, Ron? I need apple cider vinegar and paprika. Paprika, I've I have. I've got both of those things. I don't have any apple cider vinegar. I have other vinegars, but I don't really... Well, maybe try a different type of vinegar. What do you reckon, balsamic? Or I've got red wine or I've got white wine? Um, Peeling the egg at the moment. I'd go white wine, I think. Okay. So, for the listener at home, I'm peeling the egg. I'm very good at peeling eggs. Um, The technique that you need is uh, you uh, tap it all over. And then get a... Just put a cup of tea in. Tell him I'm making a deviled egg. Tom? Yeah? Ron's making a deviled egg. Why? Because he had an idea that on the egg episode for Easter, we should both eat a dozen boiled eggs. And I said no. And then... (laughs) Bad idea. Yeah, it was a bad idea. And then he decided to try and eat some eggs, but he only put one egg, so now he's making a deviled egg with some of the ingredients. Live on the podcast. There's something in it. <laughs> <sighs> See, Tom, Tom said the idea. it's something in it. Yeah, we heard. That's all going into the podcast. <laughs> um, so I've peeled and I've halved my egg. I'm so hungry. I'm so keen for this. Um, I'm now scooping out the yolk, Laura. Yep. And where's the yolk? Is the yolk wet or firm? It's a firm yolk today. Because <laughs> I was recording a podcast while I was making my eggs. Who's oh, been eating really... my eggs? Have you seen Rescuers Down Under 2? There's a second one. Yeah, where they go to Australia and rescue Marahute. They're in Australia. It's Rescuers Down Under. They were in Australia. Oh, no, yeah. Rescuers too. Just Rescuers Down Under. With Joanna the Goanna, who's been eating my eggs. And he wants to feed her a a golden eagle egg. Oh, yeah, of course I've seen Rescuers Down Under. I love Rescuers Down Under. That was a kid's film when I was a kid. (laughs) Better than Rescuers Normal, I think. I don't know. Madame Medusa's Pawn Shop Shop Boutique. Boutique. Snoops, don't tell me you've found the diamond. So Can't now what I'm you doing... control a little girl? I'm taking the next flight down to Devil's Bayou. I'd love to play Madame Medusa. You'd be very good at it. Yeah. Uh, that um, bit where I she need... used to peel off her false eyelashes fascinated me as a kid. <laughs> um, I'm just going to go get the rest of the ingredients I need. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you? I mean, why are we doing this segment in the first place? Why wouldn't you? the ingredients with you, you noisy little git. (sighs) He's a weird guy, but he is my brother. Got him. What did you Um, need to get? What did you get? White wine vinegar? Yeah, I got white wine vinegar, so I guess some of that. A little of this, a little of that. Some of that goes in. Um, I didn't have Dijon mustard, but I've got whole grain. So This is its not quite a deviled egg, is it? It's just a sort of... Uh, oh, Demon uh, egg. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
So a little bit of whole grain mustard. I'm putting in three times as much as the recipe says because I love it. Um, <laughs> Why did you even look at a recipe, Ron? Because <laughs> I didn't. Uh, they don't really eat deviled eggs anywhere apart from America, so I wasn't yeah. really sure what was in it. And I've got a little bit of S&P. Mm. I've got a great pepper grinder. Fucking hell, this is a low point, isn't it? And a little bit of salt. And now what I'm going to do, listen, is I'm going to mash up the yolk. The, oh, God, white wine vinegar is a bad miss. <laughs> um, mashing up that yolk with the, the paprika, the mustard. I'm so glad salt. this is a you edit one, this, because... I would just be cutting most of the episode at this point. <laughs> this is the shit you live for. Okay, and now I spoon the yolk. Uh, it looks disgusting. <laughs> yes. Rod, that looks horrible. It looks like a sort of peanut butter porridge diarrhea. It's not yellow like an egg yolk at all. It's full brown. It's bad. <laughs> You're going to poop so hard later. <laughs> Ron just took a spoonful and took a mouthful of it. Too much mustard? (laughs) Ron's face looks... Oh, you look like the Sheriff of Nottingham. Horrible? (laughs) Too much mustard and vinegar. (laughs) (laughs) He is still shoveling it in, though. Last one. He's going back in for another one. Oh, Oh, right. <laughs> He's finding it very hard to eat without shaking his head currently. <laughs> the eyes are watering. That's exactly the boost I needed to get through the last <laughs> half of this podcast, though. Oh, you oh. are going to do some toots tonight. <laughs> yum. He's saying yum, but his eyes are not saying yum. His eyes are saying owie. Yum. Right, okay. Are you ready for the five best eggs, Laura? I'd just like listeners to get in touch and let us know whether they think the podcast would have been better if we had both been trying to eat 12 (laughs) boiled eggs through the whole thing. Or whether you were happy with just a limited segment of egg-eating noises in the middle. And... If we get to 60 patrons by the end of the week, <laughs> we'll do a one-off eggathon. <laughs> live streamed though. We're, we're, live stream eggathon. Eggathon. 60 eggs between us. We don't stop until we've eaten them all. 60. One egg for each patron, it seems fair. I can't eat I'm game. Eggs. I love eggs. No, I'm not eating You could if they're scrambled, because, like... You can't eat 30 <clears throat> eggs, Ron. Scrambled, you could. No, that is not good for any part of your body. Protein? I'd get I'd get my pump on beforehand. I, I'm happy to do an eggathon, but I think my maximum is maybe 10 eggs. Well, you said 30. <laughs> that came from you. <laughs> Maybe just don't join the Patreon, just in case. I refuse. No, sixty to have patrons it. by the end of the year. Um, by the end of the year, <laughs> <Egg> <laughs> you haven't got high hopes, have you? 
No, by the end of the week, Agathon. 12 eggs each, half an hour. Oh, we should do it as a murder mystery. Agatha Christie. <laughs> it's okay. just the word Agathon was making me think of that. Right. It's a very small Laura. cup of water for you. It's a pint. Oh, no, that's not a pint. It is. Is your head just You've massive? Got... I do have a massive head, yeah. That's oh. where I keep all my brains. Um, my what egg were you asking? Brains. Laura, do you want to know what the fifth best egg of all time is? I do. Drum roll, please. Just use the sound effect, actually. Um, first up on the list of best eggs ever, we have elephant bird eggs. Oh, yeah. Now, Laura, elephant bird eggs are cool for two different reasons. Sorry, egg burp. Not only are <laughs> elephant bird eggs the biggest egg ever. Ever, and I ever? Go- Forever, ever, ever. ever? And when I looked into this, I was like... Fuck off, nerds. Surely there must be a dinosaur with bigger eggs than these elephant bird eggs. Yeah. No. Elephant birds. Yeah. Are they Australian elephant birds? Mm, Hmm. No. They lived in Madagascar. Oh. Oh. Yeah. But they're fairly recent, aren't they, elephant birds? Yeah, they only died out about a thousand years ago. Oh, that's not as recent as I was thinking. Okay. Is that You're pre or post the... lemurs? Was there a point where Madagascar was just lemurs and elephant birds? Um, lemurs have been around for longer than... A thousand years. A thousand years, yeah. Uh, um, place to go. Massive birds and broken monkeys. Well, do you remember when we talked about islands and the reindeer, how things either get big or small? Yeah, those yeah. did both. Those got big. Oh, wanna... that means I bet a lemur has ridden an elephant bird at some point. I think the elephant bird would have eaten the living shit out of that lemur. Oh, not kind. No, they weren't kind nice. beaks. Actually, maybe they were. I can't. I didn't write down what they ate. Elephant bird. Most birds aren't vegetarian, though, are they? Um, no. I am. Um, uh, you're thinking of the moa went extinct fairly oh, recently. Now we've got yeah, pictures yeah, yeah. of moas and stuff. Um. While they were in close geographical proximity to the ostrichs, their closest living relatives are kiwi. Oh. I play a really fun video game where I'm a kiwi that runs a post office in New Zealand. That's so you. That's like your dream. Yeah, it's really fun. You can play it two-player. You and girlfriend of the podcast Judith should get on it. Oh, weird. Um, Wikipedia has different facts to the website I was on when I did my initial research because it says they've been ex- extinct since at least the 17th century. So maybe they lasted a bit longer than um, uh, than uh, the other website said. Huh. Hmm. What do they eat? What do they eat? Um, deviled <clears throat> eggs? Oh, imagine eating a deviled elephant bird egg. Ugh. I wouldn't want to if it tasted like the one I made. I just want you to know clearly that what you just ate wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) What you just ate was like an 80% mustard and vinegar egg. 
Okay. <laughs> a ron egg. <laughs> so they ate egg. rainforest fruits. Oh. And highly sculptured endocarps, whatever those are. What? Jenny, you're listening. Can you tell us about elephant birds? <laughs> now, do you want to guess how big the elephant birds' eggs were, Laura? Well, let me have a think. So You can tell me either in centimetres or in terms of chicken eggs. Mm. So I think an ostrich egg is like about a dozen hen's eggs all together, maybe even 18. So I'm going to say that uh, an elephant bird was maybe like 30 hen's eggs. 183. Whoa! 33 centimetres long. Biggest Bloody egg hell. ever. That's huge. An elephant bird itself was three metres tall and weighed up to 730 kilograms. Three metres tall? Mm. Were they mostly neck like an ostrich? A lot of... Mainly neck and leg. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm picturing a big ostrich. Is that right? Is that what I'm thinking? But a chunkier ostrich. Mowers are, are, like, more ostrichy. Elephant birds are a bit chunkier than that. I'm going to have a look. Hang on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you can see the kiwi sort of shape in them. Were you mm. with us the other day when we were near a load of emus and they were making, like, they make the... Weirdest burp noises. No. Oh. Have you ever listened to an emu's noise? No. Mm. Are you getting it up or? Well, I can't really play it to you because I've got headphones in, but they make you like a grunting, weird noise. Egg it's number two, like, Laura. You know those, you know animals that sort of like play their own noise through their own inner vibrating bit? You know, like they have like an echo chamber in their own chest and they sort of like roll a rumble through that. What do you think we're doing? Yeah, but ours doesn't reverberate that much, does it? It comes out quite quickly, whereas some like have like a and they really like use it to amplify. That's a bit like what emus are like. Hmm. Now, oh, also I heard a, a marmoset make a noise the other day. I think it was a marmoset. They really make a burp noise too. I saw a video on Twitter earlier of a cat and it sounds like it's saying, my butthole. (laughs) It was very (laughs) funny. (laughs) Um, Now, the next egg that I was going to do was mermaid's purses. I started reading my butthole cat and um, Google offered me my butthole is bleeding. Oh, no. Well, I mean, to be fair, that is bang on with the algorithm for you. So, <laughs> I'd um, never Google that. I know why that's happening. <laughs> Terrible lifestyle. So I was going to do mermaids, purses, shark eggs, but then you did those instead. Um, so my fourth best egg, Laura, drum roll, please. <laughs> Are you listening to the cat? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that cat really does sound like it's saying my butthole. Yeah, my butthole, my butt. <laughs> Cute cat. You ready? Drum roll, please, Laura. Yes. The fourth egg, egg is a Fabergé egg. <laughs> Ron. 
This has nothing board. to do with science. <laughs> no, this is my time to be silly because it's Easter. <laughs> Ron's famously silly season, Easter. He's silly famous Easter. for it in the science circles. Now, Laura, do you know what the Fabergé eggs were? Um, the function fans- of them. Function of them? No. No, it they were pointless. Bell, pointless were they eggs. Pointless? Yeah. yeah. There's no nothing to them. They're jewelry, basically. They're the House of Fabergé, founded by Gustave Fabergé in 1842. He made only 69 of them ever. Uh, player. 57 of seven of them survive today. Oh. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Um, <clears throat> the most f- famous um, are the 52 imperial eggs, which are the ones they gave to the Romanovs. Oh, history's famous bad guys. Yeah. As, and this ties it all back together, so you need to take back being mad at me, as Easter gifts for wives and mothers. Oh. I wasn't mad at you. I was just wondering what this had to do with our science podcast. But it's eggs. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I told you I was going to make a list of the five best eggs. Yeah, and and here we are, right in the middle of it. Yeah. And I was going to do shark eggs, but you already did them. Which is your favourite of the Fabergé eggs? Um, I must say that I'm a big fan of the Imperial Coronation egg. Oh, hang on, I'm going to look it up. Imperial... Coronation egg. Oh no, it looks like a pineapple made into an egg with a carriage. No, that was a joke answer because it was the one I was looking at. I'd say that my actual favourite probably would be the first one he made, which is just called Hen, because it's basically just a golden egg, but it looks kind of cool. I'm finding it. Okay, yes, it's like matte white on the outside and then gold on the inside. Yeah, and it's kind of a babushka egg. I think yeah, there's other ones that go inside it. Yes, it's got like a gold ball, I guess, being like the yolk, and then there's a hen that goes inside the gold ball, I believe. Yeah, some of them are proper weird, though, like Renaissance, that one's see-through, crazy. Yeah. The Blue Serpent Clock, that's got handles in that. Eggs don't have handles. 12 monograms is quite nice. It's, Ooh, yeah. I just found a very modern one. The first Imperial Fabergé egg created in almost a century was unveiled at the Doha Jewelry and Watches exhibition last week. 99 years after it was commissioned by Tsar Nicholas II, this new one's been made. Huh, um, exciting. Yeah. Um, and a guy called Victor Ves- Vexelberg seems to own most of them, which is rather He's exciting. He's a little Fabergé egg collector. Yeah, he... Um, He's a Ukrainian-born, Russian-Israeli, Cypriot oligarch, billionaire and businessman. Well, he's got a lot going on in his titles, hasn't he? Mm. Oh, that one's a pretty one. I found a really cool blue and gold one I like the look of. Which one's that? Um, hang on, it came up in a photo and now I can't find it. Come back to me! Hang on, blue and gold, Fabergé egg. Oh, the Svarovich. The... Oh, it's lapis lazuli, made of genuine lapis lazuli, measuring just over a centimetre. 
Listen, I don't know, Ron. I don't know what it was called. Anyway, so that's my fourth best egg. I can't believe you like Fabergé eggs that much. I don't. I had to do it on the fly because you did shark eggs. But there's so many eggs. Yeah, but I had to think of cool, good eggs. Egg number three. Drum roll, please. Uh... Gordon Ramsay's scrambled eggs. What? <laughs> Have you ever made Gordon Ramsay's scrambled eggs? I just thought you'd eggs? tell me all about cool eggs that animals laid and how they were better and... <sighs> well, I was going to do that for most of them, but you took one of mine. So I had to sub in Fabergé. <laughs> At this point in the podcast, we'd have had two science ones, and then it would have been, oh, now we're off to Gordon Ramsay. Lovely. As it stands, we're at one for science and two for nonsense. Okay. You seem very distracted. No, I'm, I'm back now. Gordon Ramsay's scrambled eggs. What happened? Um, I just was expecting to hear all about sciencey eggs today, and that's not what's happening. And I don't deal well with change. <laughs> but I have. To but do I have discussed with my therapist the that it's not change if all that's happened is that my expectations that I had not vocalised have not been met. Yeah. So I was doing some processing in my head. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh. So, have you ever made Gordon Ramsay's scrambled eggs? No, Ron. No, I haven't. No, there's science in this. This is science here. Yeah, I know, but I still haven't made them because scrambled eggs is scrambled eggs. Who's making a particular type? Well, that's why you should make Gordon Ramsay's scrambled eggs because he uses science to bring the best scrambled eggs. I love scrambled eggs. I make very good scrambled eggs. People tell me that when they eat them. Now, things that you shouldn't do. Do not Pre-mix your eggs before you put them in the pan. Okay? Why? Because then you, like, smash up all the bits of eggs. That's not what you want. That is literally the definition of scrambled No, 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 no. Because then what you're doing is you're cooking smashed eggs, whereas what you want to do is scramble eggs in the pan. Right. Okay? Yeah. Next thing that you should do, do not add salt and pepper until the very end. Right. Because the salt and pepper is going to start reacting with molecules within the eggs and you're going to get a bad egg, okay? And really bad so, eggs. What you do, crack six eggs into a deep saucepan, non-stick. Is that even if you only want two or three? Is Judith on her way home? Yeah, that's Gnocchi running across the room. I just saw Gnocchi run across the room. The door looks like it's open. That's my door. Oh, uh, yeah, Gnocchi's just sitting by the door now waiting for Judith. Yeah, yeah. so then you, you turn the heat on, you add a bit of butter, okay? Yep. And Does then, butter need to be at room temperature or anything? It doesn't say. In fact, okay. no, it says cold butter. Cold butter, um, okay. Hey, Judith. Hi, girlfriend of the podcast, Judith. How's it going? Have you ever had Gordon Ramsay scrambled eggs? She has. I'm just going to close the door.
Hello. Hi. Um, yeah. So then, what you do is you, for about a minute, you let the eggs heat, okay? Yeah. And then they're going to start forming curls at this point. Make sure that you're stirring continuously, scraping the bottle of the bottom of the pan, removing all of this stuff. Then remove the pan from the heat for 10 seconds. Keep stirring. Back on the heat. 30 seconds. Keep stirring. Off the heat. 10 seconds. Keep stirring. On the heat. 30 seconds. Keep stirring. Until the eggs are as cooked as you want. Best scrambled eggs every single time. Right. You're not very on board. I just don't think I've ever made scrambled eggs like in a perfectionist manner. If I'm having scrambled eggs, it's because I want some mushy egg just quickly without thinking about it, you know? Well, just because you're depressed doesn't mean the listener <laughs> might not know how to make good scrambled eggs. But who's making scrambled eggs that fancy? It's not fancy. It takes three minutes. It's just make them better. All right. Yeah. Well, well, I guess we'll blow through the rest of this then. Um, no, Ron, I don't think you can be mad at me for having listened to a, a, quite a basic description of scrambled egg making <laughs> and not be able to pick up that particular banter ball and run very far with it. Yeah, but week after week, you're like, Oh, Ron, I've just done a haiku about candy floss. Love me. And then I have to yes and that day in and day out. Then I come with a nice list about eggs. And you're not keen. I was really keen on the on the elephant bird egg, and then I tried pretty hard on the Fabergé egg. But I do have to confess that, yeah... Gordon Ramsay's scrambled egg. <laughs> All right, listeners. I'm waning slightly. Listeners, give it a go. Search Gordon Ramsay's scrambled eggs. It's a thing. And then give it a go and message in saying that they're the best egg you've ever had. Yeah, let's do that for Ron. We'll all do that together for Ron this week. We're going to fill 70 patrons page. by the end of the week. Cook along with Ron. <laughs> we'll make some eggs. It's a busy week we're going to have Yeah <laughs> Okay, the next one Platypus eggs Okay Now, do you know why it's interesting that platypus lay eggs, Laura? They're one of the few mammals that lay eggs Yes, now what's a mammal? Um, well, usually you'd say gives birth to live young Milky tits, milk, milk babies. Big milkers, yeah. <laughs> Big milkers. Um, warm-blooded. Yeah, that was pretty good. Why do you get so confused about this? Because my brain is screaming at me four legs, and then most of my brain power is going, shut up, Laura, it's not four legs. Yeah, no, it's not four legs, but no, good job. So, yeah, platypuses, um, there are other ones, echidnas also lay eggs, very yeah. strange. But I chose platypus eggs because they're a bit more interesting than echidna eggs. Echidna eggs just kind of look like little um, pearl couscous. Aww. Whereas um, platypus eggs, um, they build special... I've never heard of nurse- echidna eggs. I've heard of echidna beans. Echidna beans. <laughs> Now that's a banter ball I can pick up and run with, Ron. 
nipples. <laughs> so they built special nursery burrows, right? Ooh. Um, in there, they usually lay two small leathery eggs. Uh, that sounds like a poetic description of your testicles. <laughs> Deep down in the burrow, I've got two small leathery eggs. They gestate for about two weeks and they incubate Oh, that's not eggs. too long then. No, um, although it says two weeks, possibly up to a month, which is a sway of up to 100%. So yeah. not sure what that means. Um, and then, um, so no, but that's how long that they're in the tum, in the tum-tum. Oh, what, the... they hold the eggs in the tum-tum? Well, that's where all eggs come from, is the tum-tum. Yeah. Do they feel pregnant at that point? Or are they, like, because, like, when I make it, well, I've already made all my eggs, I guess, but when an egg's just rocking about, I'm. I don't think about my life when I'm ovulating. Never asked, to be honest. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, is that two week gestational period? Is that? I suppose that's post conception. So that yeah. is technically yeah, yeah. like a pregnancy. Yeah. But would the mother's but... body be like? Because I found out the other day that morning sickness, like the reason you get worse morning sickness in the first trimester, is because that's when the body's making the placenta. Which make takes up a lot of energy and nutrients, and so your body is just like really out of balance because you're trying to build a whole placenta and stuff, you know. And then once that's made, it's much easier on your body, I guess, because you can feed the baby easier. I think that's why that. So, like, when that egg is conceived or whatever, like fertilized, is that stressful on the little mammal body, or is that like an, a lower energy way of? procreating yeah i imagine it i imagine it's more stressful but i do think this is a much, probably a much lower energy way because the trade-off with having an egg is like it's less risk to the mother but then the baby comes out less developed mm. worth um, it though to not have to pass some shoulders yeah but two weeks up to a month in the tum then incubation of another six to ten days outside in the little nursery um, and then what's quite interesting is that the platypus hatch out of the egg um, with an egg tooth. That's very common for things that hatch out of eggs. They have a special tooth for breaking out and uh, a fleshy nub called a caruncle, um, <laughs> which <laughs> uh, these are both like um, uh, sort of um, kind of uh, what do they call them like a. Uh, evolutionary artifacts from uh, a reptilian past of when oh. they used to break out of eggs. Yeah. Um, and then um, they, they suckle for a while. They do make milk. They are true mammals in that sense. I hope sense. they lose that little busty-outy tooth before the suckling begins. Yeah, usually it's on the tip of the nose and it comes off, like, right afterwards. It's a Thank It's a one-and-done egg tooth, yeah. Not interested in breastfeeding something that's got a can opener on its face. No, or a caruncle, whatever that is. <laughs> Okay, are you ready for the best egg? I'm ready for the best egg, Ron. You're not gonna like it. Oh, no. Drum roll, please. Mini eggs. While I think you are a bellend, I also agree. 
the best egg. Um, now, please remember that this list was going to be three science and two nonsense. <laughs> it's only because the balance has shifted the other way. I think you'd have found it quite charming if it had just been Gordon Ramsay and Minnie X. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you just tell me about Frogspawn or something just to balance it? I don't know about Frogspawn. Oh, all right, fair enough. We'll do that next Easter. Frogspawn special. Yeah. Um, um, I do love mini eggs. Mini eggs with a hot of cup shell. of tea. The original colours were white, yellow, pink, and light blue. In Canada in 2010, the colours were switched to yellow, pink, green, and turquoise. Oh, hello, Canadian listeners. Let us know if this is accurate. Yeah. Um, they were invented in the 20th century. Um, in They were previously produced in the Keensham plant in Somerset, UK. Oh, that's where we're from. Previously, though, as of Feb 2010, Poland. Oh, hello, Polish listeners. Yeah. Do you live near There's the mini been... egg plant? There's been different that must have been difficult of... to swap all the mini hens over to Poland. I wonder if they flew them or just a big barge full of chocolate-producing borides. Well, that's the thing. That there's been different types of mini eggs and therefore different types of mini hens the whole time. Shimmering eggs, metallic coloured shells. Dark mini eggs, dark chocolate. Popping mini eggs, pops when I melted I love in popping mouth. chocolate candy. I hate popping candy. Popping chocolate orange is my favourite. Micro mini eggs, even smaller variations. You could just call those micro eggs. eggs. The mini is yeah. redundant. White mini eggs. Yep. White mini eggs with white chocolate inside. <laughs> mini eggs. I love mini eggs. Yeah, You're not wrong. Are... And the spin off products of mini eggs are also delicious, like little mini egg cake things. Lovely. The best seasonal choc. One of a good one. Can you stop fiddling with whatever you're fiddling with, you fiddle? Um, yeah. Uh, oh, I love Terry's Chocolate Orange. I love a lot of seasonal choc. But yeah, mini eggs. I They're like the best Maltista Easter bunnies. chocolate, definitely. Maltista bunnies are also great. Yeah, but yeah, mini eggs are just uh, best. The thing with mini eggs, though, is that you want to eat a gross amount of them. Like one Maltese bunny is good and I'm fine with that. But if I'm going to have mini eggs, you best believe I'm eating the entire bag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you remember when, well, you know, you moved out this time. At one point, mum just had like a box like the size of like three shoe boxes just full of mini eggs. Yeah. Was that when That's she got, got weirdly guardy about chocolate? Maybe. <laughs> she has so much of it and the rest of us have so little. <laughs> because she buys it for herself and then we just expect to be given it. We could buy our own. Hoards it like a chocolate dragon. <laughs> well, when she comes to visit you next week, just um, fill your cupboards with chocolate and then don't let her have any. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be really petty for the rest of our lives. Well, it's thank really you, Ron, for counting down the eggs for me there. That is... <laughs> you didn't like it. I liked it in... I liked more of the Animal Kingdom stuff than than some of the other stuff. But listen, I love a mini egg. I enjoyed the Fabergé eggs. I think it was just the Gordon Ramsay bit that made me cross. That was the only bit I was passionate about. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that the um, echidna egg 
No, what was it? The platypus egg. Elephant that bird. was my favourite oh. bit. I like the... Uh, yeah, I like the, uh, the elephant bird egg. Now, patrons. Uh, non-patrons. 60 patrons by the end of the week. Eggathon. <laughs> me, Laura, Twitch. 30 eggs. 70... Live cook along with Ron. Gordon <laughs> Ramsay's scrambled eggs. Well, happy Easter, everybody. And we love you. And uh, we hope you love us. Eggs dismissed. <laughs> Are you not going to say goodbye? You said eggs dismissed. Bye. <laughs> Why do you say it so loud? Bye. You can you can say eggs dismissed if you like. East class east. <laughs> Jesus dismissed, <laughs> but it'll come back. I had a pamphlet through from the Jehovah's Witnesses this morning that was like, "You are invited to Jesus's memorial," and it was all about East. <laughs> it really made they it sound like I should pop down to the everything. village hall. Ah. <sighs>